This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 624, and the quote of the day is from Theodore Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 624, and I got the great Ash Sohn, and the quote that I used in the beginning of this ties into this conversation. I always try to get the quotes that tie into these conversations, but this one specifically, we talk a lot about social media, we talk about criticism, we talk about working and showing your work in public and and putting yourself out there and vulnerability and and being true to yourself and and authentic and all of those things and being able to adapt with what's going on in the in the current music landscape and all that and ash is someone who i've mentioned this on other podcasts i mentioned it to him in this episode where he's one of those people I always say he and Nate Smith are, are people who really embrace social media and used it to showcase the things that they actually do and the things that they want to get hired to do. And look, they talk to talk and they walk the walk. Ash particularly is a guy who is showing you all the stuff that he does, but he's also doing this stuff on records and for movie soundtracks and things like that. So he's not just a guy who has amassed a bunch of followers on Instagram and never played a gig. I mean, he's done work with everyone, Cher, Adele, uh, Seal, major motion pictures. I mean, he has gold and platinum records all over his wall. So he has been there and done that. But again, is always adapting, always keeping an eye on the landscape, uh, the music landscape, and and definitely doing what he needs to do to continue to compete and continue to to have a career in music. And he's been doing it for a long time too. So lots of lessons in here, and I'm stoked to get him back on the podcast for a second time. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with the man, Mr. Ash Stone. Ash, what's happening, buddy? Hello, mate. Yes, I'm. Uh, things are good, thanks, Nick. It's been a little while, isn't it? It has been a little while. It's always interesting when I look back to see when the last time someone was on the podcast yeah. or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I had Ash on like a year and a half ago or something. It's like five years ago. Was it? That's amazing. It's it's crazy. It just like <laughs> time time flies by so oh, quickly. Yeah. And you always, you always seem to be working on multiple different projects at the same time. I feel like you're, you're constantly juggling a lot of things. I knew that, I know that you were just working on or, or maybe not just working on, but the movie just came out, uh, baby boss yeah. or boss baby or baby yeah, boss. Yeah, boss baby too. Yeah. Boss baby. Yeah. And I was telling, I think I, I commented on your, on your post on Instagram. Those posters are like everywhere here in LA. And then I saw you post about it. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, but what what projects are you working on now, or or did you just finish up that you're at liberty that, that, to talk that's about? That's done, and then on, it seems like everything you know in our in our weird business work generates work, and and um, certain areas you, you move into certain areas, and then you find that you're doing more of that, you know. So mm-hmm. actually, the weirdly in the last sort of few weeks, I've been doing lots of movie stuff, and I don't, really? I don't know. I haven't asked the the composers that have asked me to do things, I haven't said, is it because I <laughs> worked, worked <laughs> with hands on the, I, I did, I've never, I've never asked them because uh, it's, uh, you don't ask a lady their age, um, you, know, right. <laughs> you know, so I just, but I, maybe it's something to do with that or maybe it's just that, you know, there's a lot of uh, soundtracks being finished this, this time of year. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I did some stuff at Abbey Road uh, literally a couple of days ago um, for an animation. I'm I'm just finishing up something really exciting for a movie that's coming out in December, um, which is probably the biggest movie I've done, I think, um, mm. uh, which I can't say anything about, but it's, I'm really excited <laughs> about that. And and what's most interesting is that the, the composer wanted to use this place, Um Really? And then the sounds that I've been putting out there, uh, that's what sort of attracted the the composer t- to me. It was the, the sound. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of, it's almost like a dream come true. You know, you put, I'm putting that stuff out there as, and I guess, you know, without putting too fine a point on it, Instagram could be looked at as a shop window for mm-hmm. producers and artists alike and other musicians. And, and, um, I've been putting some of those sounds out there for quite a while. The stuff that I'm experimenting with, and it, it just so happened it was one or two of those posts that this composer saw and uh, thought that that would work with the stuff that, mm-hmm. that that he's got on on this on this movie. So, yeah, amazing. That that is amazing. I have a couple questions about that. One had you had you worked with Hans Zimmer before? Well, I'd worked not uh, not absolutely directly. I, I worked with a guy called Lorn Balfe, who who's a mm-hmm. composer that works with hands. And and the first thing I did with Lorne was uh, the um, Terminator Genesis, and then okay. and then I did Kung Fu Panda three, and and I did that at Air Studios. Uh, and Hans was actually there, so he came in. So I met him, and this was probably, I don't know, again, probably four years ago, something like that, four or five years ago. And then, um, and then, and for everyone, listen, I mean, like Hans is the guy. He's, he's pretty much it's, the man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is he, I, I guess it's uh, like any business, there has to be someone that is at the top of the tree, and, and Hans yeah. has been like that for so long with so many movies um and he's i think he's got he's so much going on i mean i, I can't believe he can even keep keep up with uh, everything that he's working on you know there's so much going yeah. on um and then i did a little bit with him with the uh, lion king um, mm. i just did a couple of cues on that um and this one was i guess is the the, the most that i've done for him Right. Yeah. How how does your approach differ when you're working with an artist and working on a particular track versus working on working on a soundtrack? Do you do you feel like it's it's a different approach? It's a different. It's a, do you play differently? And also, like, is there more or less stress involved with well, it? Well, um, movies in general 
well, it depends what you're, I, I'm, my reading's okay. It's not, mm-hmm. it? so if I'm in a, in a reading situation on a, on a movie session, it, it's immediately massively stressful because I just don't do it. You know, I don't do it very yeah. often. Um, and I've scraped through more than once. Um, Boss Baby 2 was very different. I did it here. So the cues were sent to me well in advance. I had the sessions well in advance so I could get a sound together. I could look at the cue. And, of course, some of them are, are 30 seconds long. Uh, they're not, you know, it's just a matter of getting the right sound um, for the session. And mm-hmm. Others are a little bit more involved, and it, and it would ordinarily be, I guess, a reading. But I could, I could learn it. If, if a cue was a minute long, I could learn the thing. Um, right. So it was, but doing it on the spot in the in the studio. Always doing it on the spot. I'd rather not do it. And actually, this this, <laughs> this movie um, that I'm just finishing up now for later on in the year, uh, that composer was talking about the, the stuff that he wanted from me was a little bit more improvisational, which is like uh, that's amazing. Yeah, right up your he alley. He actually wanted me to contribute something to it, which is. I'm like, well, this is awesome, you know. That's amazing, yeah. and then it gives you this creative control, oh, and so and, beautiful to be able to do. Yeah, and my sound, you know, that's that's the yeah. thing, um, which is well, I believe that's a testament of the work that you've done over the years, and of people saying we want we hire Ash Stone because we want Ash Stone, not because we want him to sound like someone else. We want you. I would imagine that this is. You know, I'm guessing here, but I'm I'm guessing right. I think I'm guessing right that they're hiring you for you. That's why they that's why they hired you. Yeah, uh, um, and now this place as well. So for the for the studio right. too, and and so it's like a beautiful. Um, it can be a beautiful moment, you know, like exactly mm-hmm. that where people are going. We want we want you to do it. We like your creativity. We like the sound you're getting, and that's that's just like our ultimate sort of um, musician's dream, really. You know, sure. But I do, and well, de- well deserved. Well, thank you, mate. But but I also do enjoy doing sessions where someone goes, actually, it's this, and it's a bit of a challenge. You know, I I, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but at the moment, it's this, it's it's going well in this little, this funny little place that I've got here. That it's just like I love it. You know, people I seem love to it. love it, and they're, they're loving the sounds, and and I'm really getting involved and and taking it to another place still you know it's actually going to be 10 mm-hmm. years next year i'm celebrating 10 years of the windmill being a thing. wow yeah do you and you do you record full bands in there i've i've had a few little bands in here i've never ever done a full like let's do it electric guitar bass drums yeah. i mean i think i probably could um i think you could yeah uh, I've not done it though, but I did have there's a lovely local folk band <laughs> that I got in here, and we got we got a keg of beer, and there was, must have been about I don't know eight or nine musicians, and I just put some collective mics around them, and I said, you know, if if, if it's your moment, just step towards the mic, as it were. Right. Uh, and that was a really great session. Um, Rattlebox, they're called, and I, and I really that's I, awesome. I really loved them, um, and that's that's really the only band I've properly had in here. Yeah. Did the keg of beer help the music? Oh, or with, the music? With, I think with Norfolk <laughs> Norfolk folk music, it's essential. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you you had mentioned earlier about about your reading skills, and it's it's wild to me how you know years ago 
reading was such a big requirement yeah. for everything, for yeah. every gig. And, and I don't remember who I talked to, and I don't even know how, how true this is, but I remember hearing stories of when they were auditioning drummers for late night television shows where they would get a bunch of guys in a room and they would set music down and they would play and, you know, seven out of 10 of them could make it through and the three who couldn't, they would move out and then they would put a harder piece of music and weed them out and harder and harder and harder. And the last man standing was the guy who got the gig. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I'm sure that there's some level of truth to that of, of how much we relied on, on reading. Yeah. Well, I I think it's still, to be honest with you, my reading got infinitely better when I started doing the voice. I couldn't, I I knew the basics of reading before I did that show. Mm -hmm. But after the seven years, my reading went through the roof. I mean, you know, for me, compared to some guys that I know in London, my reading is is nowhere near as good as theirs. But, you know, I've, I've been in bands and I've done sessions, pop sessions, and it's like reading isn't an essential you know, for, for years and years and years, um, I never had to read. It wasn't, right. wasn't required. It was fine. You know, they, they, want, mm-hmm. they want you to, to play a feel on a song. And the reading thing was literally not even mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And then the voice came along and it's like, there's so many songs, you have to be able to get through a hundred songs. And it's like, how are you going to do that? the most efficient way is is reading them so (laughs) i got i got better and better at that and then some of these movie things started to happen um and i i I reckon my reading it's like out of 10 i'm probably a three and a half you know oh really you know it's 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 laughable really right but i I can (laughs) it's enough to get through and yeah you know it's enough to get through and i think um and certainly funnily enough now when i do a pop session I will usually sketch it out. And now mm-hmm. my sketching out has gone from just hieroglyphics to now it's a little bit more readable and, and more legible to any musician. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's, it has actually helped my session. So I, I now say to younger musicians, it's definitely worth exploring a little bit the whole reading world. You know, some guys really want to get into it. And some dudes are like, yeah. you know what? I, I want to be in five years' time, black page, such and such BPM, left hand only. <laughs> you know, there are guys like that. Um, yeah, of course. And it's like that's amazing to be able to to do that stuff. And I and I, you know, mm-hmm. I applaud them all. But I really do think, generally, I think it's definitely worth having a look at it and just at least not being completely and utterly ignorant. But to be honest with you, man nearly every young musician I meet, they do know. They know so much. Yeah. You know, there's so much education out there. There's so much information out there. It's, it's well, I think I, a part of that, I feel really fortunate that when I was a younger musician, there wasn't, you know, you had to find your own uh, groove and you had to find your own place and you, had to, and you were introduced to things much, 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 much slower. Certainly mm-hmm. in the UK, if I think about American drummers, you know, I think the young American or the, the American drummers that are my age that I've spoken to, you know, it was, oh, you know, you knew this guy. But in 1986, when I was 16, you know, you might not know who that drummer is. And it, right. and it might be, in, you might be 20 when you found, find out about a, an amazing drummer, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And I wa- and you certainly couldn't go online and watch a video. That's right. You couldn't go online and watch a video, and you had to find out about it slowly. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that sort of gentler pace of absorbing the information is 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 pretty good because I think everyone's. I mean, I'm. We're all overwhelmed with the stuff that we look at, and I don't know how I would have dealt with it when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, trying to learn how to play draw. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to start. There would be so much information yeah. that I, and I was going to ask you, do you think, do you think that, that we were at an advantage or a disadvantage that we didn't grow up with the internet and had to like get one record and listen to that record a yeah. hundred times over because we, because we didn't have access to a thousand or, you know, a million songs at, in the palm of our hand. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, this is brought up a lot of times with people. And, and that whole experience of learning a record and not knowing what they're playing. Mm-hmm. So you learn it wrong. You get your way of, that works when you play along with that record. Um, yep. Tower of Power, you know, no, no, mm-hmm. the sticking's not there. You've got to, what is he doing? <laughs> and you can't really slow it down that much on, a, on an app, no. album. <laughs> or, yeah. you know. Um, so you just have to go, I think that's what he's playing, you know, and eventually uh-huh. you might, if you're lucky, get some transcriptions in modern drummer or whatever. Um, so, so I think that element's gone where you would work out your own way of doing it and then find out the actual way and go, oh, okay, so you've been on a whole journey. Whereas now, you, I mean, I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else, but it's like halftime shuffle, bam, YouTube, 300 guys explaining what it <laughs> yeah. is me included yeah. and um, yeah. and probably 260 of them not doing it the right, right. way but that's a whole other that's a whole well, other and me included probably <laughs> but i'll get out here. but you know it's like it's the so much and, and you can touch on something and, and do a little bit of work on it and it's like it's right there that's it you know what you're mm-hmm. gonna do you, you it's right in front of your eyes what you need to be able to learn and be able to play but then as with everything, YouTube's then offering you, oh, do you like that groove? Then there's a Nate Smith thing that you might want to learn. And then you, before you know it, yeah. your index finger's clicking on that. And, you, <laughs> and you've parked 10 years of Jeff Picaro and, and yeah. the halftime shuffle and moved on to what Nate's doing now. And then that happens mm-hmm. a thousand times a day. So I, I think yeah. there is something in it. And, and about, I think young drummers should try um, – and me too. It'd it be disciplined about all of the information that's getting thrown at you, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you can, I guess. It's really hard. Yeah. Cause I, because I know, and you know, you're saying you do the same thing, but I know how I am, where if I was going to learn something that let's just say was a halftime shuffle, yeah. I would spend probably 20 minutes yeah. playing the thing. And, and then I'd be like, okay, I got it because there's other <laughs> things to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, let me go to this. Yeah. Let me click well, on this I'll, other I'll thing. Go, I'll go back to that. And then you just yeah. end up being being able to play 10 things not very well. Exactly. You know, it's it's really exactly. interesting that. Um, and I think this, again, it goes, it still gets back to like teachers. And a great teacher will will just keep you in, in your lane mm-hmm. for long enough that you actually properly get it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So I think there is still it's still great to have great teachers um, out there. I don't consider myself a teacher at all, really. I, I, um, you know, I like talking about ideas and, and 
trying to explain what the stuff that I'm doing. Interestingly, I'm getting more and more questions about the gear, student gear. You know, literally, like last time we talked, um, average question would be, oh, what snare drum are you using? Uh, What's that sticking on that thing? You know, um, what bass drum pedal? Uh, What bass drum? What bass drum head? And now, Mm -hmm. like that stuff, people are over it, you know? (laughs) That's like what processor are you using? It's literally like mic you know, the hashtags that come up in my mind are like mic, compressor, preamp, you know, just all of the studio gear, people just want to know. It's amazing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, actually, it's the- inspiring that people, because I, I, I've always loved the studio. I've loved it, loved it, loved it, working in it. And now I've, I've got a version of my own and experimenting, of, and it, it is mega, you know. And it's mm-hmm. great to see so many young people excited about it you know yeah are, are you if you had to choose road or studio you'd be in the studio oh, there's no question but i think i was always yeah. i think i was always like that mm-hmm. and even when i was younger i think i really did enjoy the process the creativity of um messing around <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i like being in the studio but i know nothing about gear so I- that's the hard part for me so i can go in like i could i'm a studio rat and i could be in there you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day wouldn't bother me at all. But like me trying to, you don't want me touching any knobs. Right. But you'd be surprised all. how quick you, you, you get it together, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess if you have to learn it, right? You've got to I mean, jump in. I mean, I, I, when I basically what this, the, the, the quick story with this place, um, 10 years ago, we built this room for me to put my gear in, to, to mm-hmm. basically put my drums in and for me to practice a little. Um, but essentially get all of the stuff out of the house, um, you know, because I've acquired drum kits over the years and paraphernalia, snare drums, et cetera. Um, and, and then one day a producer said to me, what's it sound like? I'm like, well, it sounds, the room sounds pretty cool when I play. He's like, oh, stick a mic up and, and send me the WAV. So I think I've got garage band and put one microphone on a stand in the middle of the room, like you said, sent him mm-hmm. that. And he said it, and, you know, now it's interesting looking back on it, a, a great engineer can tell pretty quickly what the room sounds like if you don't touch it with any uh, plugins and you just send them right. the raw file. And he said, the room sounds pretty good. And, and then we got to this whole thing of like, well, there's two ways of doing this. You could buy some, a little amount of gear, buy some more mics, eventually get an interface, um, or you could just jump straight in and, and invest <laughs> and just both feet. And I decided to do that. So um, I, I spent uh, quite a bit of money and I got into Pro Tools and I, and I didn't know even what to press with Pro Tools. I'd seen it all my wow. life. I've been sat behind people watching them. I knew the space bar was play. Right. But that's, <laughs> that's about all I know. But that is about it. Come on, Ash, you're giving away all my secrets here. <laughs> but that's about it, you know. And, and, then, and then it's been a, an incredible learning curve. And each day, there's, you learn something amazing about it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember talking to Victor and Drizzo and he was saying, oh, just monster. He was like, take one thing that day, just learn the one thing, like learn, you know, what this particular knob does on a preamp or, or, you know, figure out how to like, whatever, crossfade something. Or he's like, or learn one piece of gear, like just take it day by day, the same way that you're saying, it's just, and then over time. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I had to sort of jump in there and eventually all of the bits aligned, you know, but it, it didn't sound great when I first started. Um, and some people would still probably say, this still doesn't sound great, mate. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, right. And Victor, I mean, what a drummer, if we can just rewind about him. I mean, A, he's a fantastic player. And yeah. I believe, yeah. you know, he's got knowledge about gear too. And and it's, there's some, uh, I guess in, in the theatre world, they call it triple threat, don't they? Yeah. When yep. you can dance and you can sing and you can act. I think in you know mm-hmm. in the musicians' world now, if if you can record yourself, and you can play live, and you can re- and record in the studio, it, I, that's like, it's amazing. Yeah, you got all the bases covered. I, I think that's the hard part now for drummers is because there's so much more remote recording that's going on. Yeah, and now there's this other skill that we have to learn yeah right so you have to learn how to be an engineer as well where yeah. I, even now i don't feel like guitar players have to do that or bass players or you know but but drummers not only do they have to play well and they have to be able to you know play take instruction from an artist or from a composer or whatever it may be yeah oh also we want you to engineer this as well and make your drums sound good and and send them off to us it's 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 incredible how it's changed and i guess if you know i'm part of that change you know people people like me mm-hmm. people like me come along and and victor and stuff that can get a pretty good sound and then it's like straight away there's pressure on guys to go well if i if i buy any recording gear it's got to sound good right i've got to i've got to be good at that all of a sudden it's quite interesting that you mentioned guitar players and bass players because i'm surprised that there are not trillions of them because if you think about the gear that as a drummer that you've got to invest in to record yeah. your instrument, you know, 12, you know, at least eight channels up to 20 channels and all of the paraphernalia that goes with it. Whereas if you're a guitar player, you can pretty much just, <laughs> just plug it. DI into your laptop. And I find, you know, there's a guitar player friend of mine who's like, oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really worked on that remote thing. I'm thinking, well, there's nothing to work on for you. You just <laughs> buy a cord, a UAD interface, twin, and you're rocking. Everything is there, but still not done it. But I guess, you know, that's that's the thing about, that's the interesting about drummers and gear. I think drummers like the stuff that is, if you think, you know, you think about drum gear compare, I mean, I know guitar players are into gear too, but drummers seem particularly, they like gear. And and now there's a whole other world of gear that you can get into. It's it's terrifying and expensive. Yeah, and you get my cousin always called it. You get the Miswells, and you're like, "Well, I bought this. I might as well buy this. <laughs> I got this thing. I might as well buy that." Yeah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. But it's it is it's amazing that that there are so many dramas. I see. It's really like I've been uh, next year. It'll be ten years that I've had the studio. It's also ten years since I've been on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I think about when I started. Ten years. I know it's insane, isn't it? It's crazy. It's insane. Um, and I think about when I started and the sound, if there were many drummers on Instagram at the time, uh, the sounds that I was hearing compared to now. I mean, there's so many guys you, you, you can see when you click it. It's like, <laughs> that would work on a record, you know, like there's yeah. no question, no mm-hmm. question, you know. It's you bringing up Instagram. I always use you and Nate Smith particularly as examples for – I. 
I see a lot of, you know, we see the same stuff on Instagram yeah. and I look at you and I look at what Nate did on Instagram as well. And I feel like you guys use the platform for the right thing. You used it to showcase the things that you're really good at and used it as, you know, for lack of a better word, as like a way to market your skills as a drummer. Yeah. And I, what I see a lot of people do is they put up all of this non-musical sort of choppy stuff. And then you have a conversation with them and they say, oh yeah, I want to do, you know, gigs with a pop artist or I want to do remote sessions or something like that. And I'm like, well, then why wouldn't you put that stuff up there? Yeah. You know, and you like, I always, like, I, I can't reiterate this enough that, that you and Nate sort of crack the code where you're like, okay, here's what we're good at. Here's, you know, and, and we're going to showcase the things that we're good at and we're going to do it really well. And that's why a ton of people follow you guys. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm always astounded um, at the numbers, you know, yeah. and, and I, uh, and I remember sort of someone said to me like, um, you know, what do you do? And I think it's like, well, precisely what you said, I, I, I would just, I mean, one of the things that, that I, like I haven't got issues about playing and potentially being judged by my playing. And I know, right. and I know that's a big one for a lot of guys and a lot of very famous drummers. There's, there's guys in the UK that I can, I'm not going to name, but I know that I've talked to at least two or three of them. And they're like, I just don't like putting stuff up, you know, because, right. And it's like, well, you got to get over that. Mm-hmm. You know, did you, were you ever worried about it? No. Because, no. because, with, and I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to be, you know, big headed or anything like that, but I'd already achieved, I felt that I'd achieved. And, mm-hmm. well, anyone can say anything about me because I yeah. already feel like I've got a bunch of boxes ticked. And, yeah. and, and, and no one is, no one above you is criticizing you. It's always the people below you who are criticizing well, you. It seems to be. Um, yeah. And, and there's always going to be someone, you know, Yes, it, this thing that I've just done, like I'm finishing up tomorrow, this with this movie in in December, and it's just so hilarious. You know, I was actually talking to the, the composer tonight about doing this podcast, and he said, "Don't mention the movie." <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, it, it, but I was saying it's interesting that only a few weeks ago I got a little bit of open criticism on my Instagram because I'd put up another crunchy sounding drum kit where like the bass drum's slightly distorted and uh, the snare's got a bit of crunch on it and the cymbals of what are they? You know, it's crackling so much. I can't tell if they're pie steel or whatever. <laughs> you know, what is it? Right. And this guy said, why can't you for sake just record the drums for how they are? And I, my defense at the time was I do a lot of records if you can go and buy them and I play Studio A drums, you know, you yeah. can hear it. It's like, that's right. a snare drum, that's a bass drum, and it's with other people. But when I'm here, I'm experimenting, and I'm sending those little experiments out into the world, and maybe one day someone might see it and go, exactly like you said about Nate, go, actually, that's really cool. That might work on my project. And, mm-hmm. Hey, presto. That's yeah. precisely what's happened. And uh, honestly, it's, it, it, you know, I don't want to sort of, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Um Count my chickens, I think is the phrase. Right. But it's potentially the biggest movie I've ever played on. And the guy is attracted 
to my sound because I'm experimenting mm-hmm. with the sound. So the guy, yeah. the guy that's given me a huge amount of criticism for like, why are you doing that still? It's like, that's why. Yeah. And I, I think there's a couple of things too. One, going back to the, to the criticism thing. Uh, yes, there's always, you could play the most amazing thing yeah. in the world and there could be a thousand people who are like, Ash, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Someone's going to be like, you suck. You're the worst drum I've uh, ever seen. Course. in the world. It's just like, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, or precisely. You and, and, and I think, you know, you've got to get, you've got to have a bit of a thick skin, I think, uh, with social media. But to mm-hmm. be honest with you, it's pretty rare. Like, yeah. you know, now I don't know about some of the other guys that are on social media that have got a, that have got a big following, but I, the people are fans. They're, they're coming to your channel and, and, and watching your stuff and, and your stream because they, they're into what you're doing. So it's very rare you'll get someone properly dissing you. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's someone that's just come across you and like it, and and often I don't say anything because they just get destroyed by, yeah. <laughs> by my regular guys that that like what I'm doing, and they yeah. they do the fight for you, you know. It's, yeah, you just step back and let them yeah, go. Yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. it's but it is pretty rare. But you know, but you know, we are huge. Everyone's a, uh, is got a, you know, we're all human. And so if someone mm-hmm. if someone tells me that I suck, I'm I, I'm not like I haven't got like a, a bulletproof shield where i just go well i don't care what you think of course i care what you think you know that's of course that's how you get good as, as a as a musician um is that you are continually analyzing and looking at yourself to try and improve um, and if someone's just you, you know you, you eventually you have to go oh god is, uh, that, that did get through that one <laughs> it does hurt you know it yeah. does hurt even some of the greatest guys in the world uh, which I don't think I am, by the way. But I, you know, I know what I can do, and I'm very confident in the stuff that I do. Um, mm-hmm. But still, when someone, if it's if it's unrelenting sort of uh, criticism, it, it's tough to ride it out. But you, you just have to, you know. Yeah. You just have to yeah. because of the greater good. And you know, the more and more um, for me, I, I consider like if you've had a number one record, if you played on a Grammy winning record, if you played on an album or a a movie that's been successful, they're like sort of building blocks in a way mm-hmm. for your sort of armor. And it's at the end of the day, it's like, well, you can, in some respects, you can say what you wish, but it's, it's there to be, it's there to be seen. Um, yeah. And I feel that now about this, not about my plan, but about the sound that I'm getting in this room is now the most potentially criticized uh, thing. Interestingly, mm-hmm. they play. My, people don't. They're not bothered about what I'm playing anymore. <laughs> you oh. know, they're, they're interested in about the sound and why. Why am I doing that? It's amazing yeah. how it how it shifts. It's yeah, and I'm sure it's like oh, too much compression or whatever. Yeah, precisely. And then, like, precisely. and then you go look at what they're doing, and they're like, you're like, I don't even know if this person's ever been in a studio. Well, or- there's that whole that that whole thing. But in general, just to sort of cap it off, social media has been and continues to be a wonderful ex- experience, a sharing experience mm-hmm. that, I've, that I've always really, really enjoyed that, that sort of mutual growth, actually. Yeah. You put I remember, there, you know, oh, go ahead. sorry, you, you put stuff out there and you might get a bit of criticism, but you also will get most of the time you get a lot of positive energy from people and it encourages, it certainly encourages me 
to keep mm-hmm. to keep trying um and i have done it and and keep growing you know mm-hmm. and it's i remember talking to uh to carter mclean about this yeah. and he was saying that you know people go on his channel and they're like why don't you play blast beats or something and he's like i'm not a I'm not just a monkey that's just here for your <laughs> amusement, you know. I just, I, yeah. And but but I love I love the authenticity in the things that you put out. Like you said, hey, I'm you're, and it's sort of a vulnerability thing as well, where you're saying, look, I'm just testing this out. I'm just going to put it out there, and yeah. and yeah, we'll see what happens. So, I actually said it um, a few months ago to someone that that, that that sort of gave me a little bit of criticism on one of my posts. I was like, you know, music's like art and music is like that. Sometimes you're going to get a hit. Sometimes you're not. <laughs> you, right. you've got, if you don't try, you're not going to succeed. So so my my Instagram is um, – my, my social media in general is really about me experimenting and trying with with music uh, mm-hmm. and sound and, and all the things. I'm still trying to keep it. Uh, you know, back to when I was a kid, what are the things that excited me? And actually drum sounds excited me when I was a teenager. And now I'm in, in that, in that position where it's like, well, how did they get that? You know? And then, you, yeah. and like you say, there's an infinite amount of information about how they recorded the Beatles, et cetera. And it's like, right. I'm going to mess around till, till the cows come out until I, mm-hmm. until I can't walk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to stay in here and prop myself up and just keep messing around. It's it's, yeah. it's brilliant. So you're saying that you're you're about at ten years with the windmill. Yeah. Before before that, um, my guess is you were doing a bunch of studio work, and were you just the people who were calling you after a while? You were just saying, "Hey, you know, I can just record this at at my place," or did you have to actively sort of go out and and seek remote recording stuff? Because people always email me all the time, and they're like, "How can you?" You know, how can I get remote recording sessions? Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea. I've never done a remote recording session in my life. It, it's, oh. it's a sort of a weird, um, just the way that it's worked. It, it, if you look, if I look back on it now, it's obvious. You know, I, before I started this studio, I played on some stuff and I'd add hits, but in other studios with other producers, mm-hmm. not my own place. And I remember distinctly saying to a producer friend of mine, dear mate of mine, like, how do I get some of those producers that I've worked with to use this place? And he said, it's the same as ever before. You've got to have a hit. And it's like, well, how do I have a hit in the studio if I can't, if I can't <laughs> right. get those guys to, to just give me a try? You know, it's a chicken or an egg problem. Absolutely. It's, an, it's a perpetual nightmare. But eventually... I, I did the thing where I would put out videos of me playing and eventually a, a producer bit and was like, I'm going to try you out on this thing. And we did indeed have a hit. Um, and then slowly but surely that's, that's built. And to, to, it was a brand new career path really, because, you know, I've, I've already mm-hmm. been successful as a, as a, as a musician to some degree, but then I was trying to convince people that I could do, I could do this thing, which is, is, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to do it to, right. to some people, you know, that whole world of like musicians don't touch mics. There are still a lot of guys that I work with that just, it's very difficult for them to understand that, you know, maybe a drummer can get his head around EQ and, and, and all the, all of the other 
plethora of things that you've got to get your head around to make a re- recording sound good. Right. Um, huh. Trevor Horn, you know, when I first did something with Trevor here, he said, he, he still says it to me sometimes. He goes, you, you've got an engineer though, right? And then it's quiet. And I go, no, I do it, Trevor. And then it's really quiet. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. And and still, it's like, you know, <laughs> and I love him dearly. And I, and I, I still think, I think he's, he, now I've done a few things for Trevor from here. And he's heard the files. This is the thing. I send them and they land at his studio. And he's there in front of his speakers listening to my stuff um so i did some stuff for rod stewart with trevor that's the last thing i did uh-huh. for him and uh, and and seal so i've done both of those artists here for trev and and he um he m- much prefers to have a musician in his studio because of the communication uh, sure and and i get it. He, it that's how he works and and he also understands that whole sort of uh interaction with other musicians and, mm-hmm. and, and but i always thought that they use remote guys remotely because it was it was less expensive well it's, it, trevor doesn't care about the money <laughs> <laughs> well, i guess that would be the question was yeah. was it was it him asking you to come to the studio and you were like no 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 i'll just do it at my house well, no, he both of the sessions were when the drums were needed quickly and i couldn't get there gotcha so he gotcha. said let's do it let's do it here uh, so he was kind of forced into into using me. Certainly the first time, uh, right? And then the next time with 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 Rod, uh, I think it was a similar deal. He he needed to get this particular track finished, and we just didn't have enough hours for me to get in the car, go to London, record it, because it's about three hours to to London from here. Right. Um, gotcha. Um, yeah, but Tre- Trevor's an interesting one. But he he's you know he's never really given me any. A huge amount of criticism and his engineers are the guys that i talk to it's, it's not really true mm-hmm. that i'm talking to about the sound and, and i always say to them please let me know if there's anything i can do to make it mm-hmm. to make it better because you have to i ask everybody yeah. really that i work with is, is there anything that you feel i could have done better yeah yeah um yeah it, it doesn't help with people oh yeah everything sounds great it sounds it's amazing like, it sounds amazing it's like well okay. that doesn't do anything and then they never call you again it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'd rather you tell me that it was absolutely diabolical uh, yeah. distorting on the low end so much they couldn't use it or, or whatever you know um yeah it's it's an amazing i i i absolutely love it the journey is 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 fantastic The Saturn Series drums have been a cornerstone Mapex series for more than 25 years. Now, the Saturn Evolution Series combines the best of all things Saturn in one series, including the halo mounting system, which unlocks the freedom of full resonance, the sustain adjustment knob that gives you full control of resonance, decay, and tone, birch walnut hybrid shells that perfectly combine the sonic characteristics of walnut with the articulate punch of birch, delivering a dark, punchy, dry sound, and the iconic maple walnut hybrid shells, which has been at the core of the series for many years, providing a fuller, rounder tone with bright, versatile, open sound. For more information about the Saturn Evolution series, visit mapexdrums.com.
So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 dash drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator it's something that i never thought about the fact that they're you're sort of dealing with two variables in in this situation so you you're dealing with the variable of you right so they yeah. can there can be a different drummer or something like that but then the room now is another is another variable where I got to imagine that, you know, your drum room sounds different than Blair Sinta's drum room sounds different than Dylan Wissing's, you know, drum room. Yeah. So, so it's sort of like dialing, dialing both of those in. Do you feel like, and I know that you, you, you did mention this where you feel like you're getting your your sound really like dialed in. Um, but do you feel like it's now this unique sound where it's like, if you want this sound, you go to the windmill sort of like if you want this sound, you go to Abbey road, or if you want this other sound, then well, you go to air studio. I mean, that's, uh, if, if that's happening, then that, that's amazing. Uh, I, I think it'll probably take a little while to get to that point, but that would be great that if that you could get known for a particular, a particular sound, uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty lucky in here that I've got enough air. Um, yeah. Like my ceilings about what's 15 feet up there. Um, and it's, it's a big enough space that there's air around the drums. And so I can, if I, if I make it natural, it sounds quite roomy. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm really thankful that it's about right drum, drum room size. Um, cause you can always make it smaller. Actually, you can, sure. you can always make a space sound smaller, I think, but you can't make a small room sound bigger. It's. It, well, you can, but it's you know right. with reverb, etc. But everyone knows that that's you can really <laughs> you can really hear that it's a synthetic uh, mm-hmm. space. Um, but I mean, I, I think I think that's what's going to happen in the future. Actually, is that there will be if you want a particular sound, you go to da da da. I, I really do think that's what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And I guess what you need to be is the guy that's got that sound of that moment of that era for pop music, for instance. Mm-hmm. And you, I, it, I mean, it, as I'm saying, I think that is is exactly what's going to happen. I think people are going to be flavor of, well, it'd be great to be flavor of the decade, but it's often flavor <laughs> of the month, um, you know, where you've got a sound and people are like, man, that, that really works on in today's, yeah. either today's pop sound or, um, and you know, there's a lot of people saying there aren't any pop sessions. Yes, there are. And you know, I, I hear people saying that the recording business is finished. It's like it, it, it hasn't. It's just changed, and it's changing right in front of our eyes. You know, the, right. the way that people buy music, the way that people listen to the music, 
the way that people record music is changing. Everything's changing and you have to be aware of it. And I think social media, you can ignore social media and say that it's just about people drinking coffee and putting pictures up of their latte. Right. It's much more than that. You know, yeah. you've, you've got to be aware of this. And I think if you are, then you've got a chance that you might, you know, last for a couple more months. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's it's yeah. as that, I think. And, but I think yeah. you're right. I think there's going to be guys in the future where you go, oh, like, for instance, I think about Carter, you mentioned him earlier. I think he has one of the most natural, you know, beautiful, natural drum sounds um, out there that I'm mm-hmm. aware of. Yeah. Uh, and I think... You know, you can just imagine that I, I just I just sincerely hope that he stays where he's at and doesn't start, you know, triggering stuff because it'd be like, oh, my God, it's just such a shame because he's because it sounds so beautiful. I don't, I don't think yeah. he will know him like I know him. I think he'll mm-hmm. just keep on his journey to get that 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 sound, perfecting that sound more and more and more and and getting those warm microphones and preamps that you need to get to make that to make that sound. So you can imagine yeah. in, in a few years' time, Carter will be the guy that you go to if you want that beautiful, real drum sound. And they won't be mm-hmm. coming to me for that because I don't, I'm not putting it out there, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he to me, it's like if Motown came back out, they would, you know. He's exactly. They would just hire Carter it, for it. It's so fantastic, you know, and his feels yeah. mega. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's the next thing is like get your sound nailed because that right. is the thing that you are going to be reaping the rewards from you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're a metal guy and you've got it that's your vibe get into that and and, yeah. and be the best metal guy and so people go who do we get i mean we need like that really fast blast beat thing who do we get? And then it's like, it's unquestionable. Well, get this. Look at this dude. Yeah. He's outrageous. It sounds outrageous. Yeah. Get him. You know, and, and I think that is how it's going to go, you know, in a, in, a, in a, in a way. Yeah. You mentioned finding your own sound. And I think yeah. that that, I think a lot of that goes back to what we, we talked about before about this, this overstimulation and, and too much information yeah. that's out there. Yeah. Because I, I think, when you and I were learning how to play, we, like we said, we didn't have video of it. We didn't right. usually didn't have transcripts. So we created like our own bastardized version That's of, yeah. of Steve Gadd or Jeff Picaro or, or whoever your influences were. And you become this weird, like homogenized yeah. amalgamation of like all these different players. Right. But it's not, it's not really that good because <laughs> we don't really know what they're playing. Yeah. Now, I feel like everyone knows every single thing that everyone was playing because they can go on YouTube and watch it. Yeah, and there's like, there's a lot of copying and pasting. And I don't see a lot of people going out and finding their own voice yeah. or finding their own sound. Yeah. Do you have any advice for that? Do you think like, try to like ignore some of that stuff or well, do you try to like, I, I guess it's very difficult to ignore. Uh, you know, one of the, it's interesting you say that because that's one of my, the things that I, I, I if I think about the great drummers that are still alive and some of the ones that have passed, you know, I just wish there were more characters now. Yeah. You know, Me too. just more. You could put, you could take Jeff Picard right now and put him on Instagram and no, even if no one knew who he was 
and instantly people would be like, holy shit, this guy sounds like <laughs> no one else. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, I just think, I, I just really wish that the, the character of playing was, I don't know. I mean, there are some brilliant dudes. That Tosh guy. Yeah. Right. I, I absolutely love him. And, and that's what I'm talking about. I watch him and, 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 and he is already forming his, his sound and, and the way that he plays and the way that he looks and the way, you know, his, his attitude towards playing. Um, there are guys out there, but I just wish it was more, more prolific that people would, would think about their character and, and how obviously that affects the way that you sound, mm -hmm. you know, and if you just end up copying everybody, you just, you can't tell the difference between, between the drummers, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of that and it, it's, uh, so when I see someone like Tosh, I just think, oh, it's this mega, you know, he's like, yeah. um, it's just great to see people that have got, got their own character as well as their own playing. Cause I think it's absolutely personality and sound. I think are, are exactly the same it, to me. It's the same yeah. thing. You know, you know, when I, I was very, very fortunate enough and now I sort of consider him a, a mate in some respects is, is Stuart Copeland. But when I first, met Stuart I was at a rehearsal and he came smashing through the door like a comet it is <laughs> he just burst into this room and was like people were like oh my who's this bloke like we didn't know he was going to turn up he just burst into the room and he's straight away he's like high-fiving people just like and then took and t captured all of us you know uh, right and held us all in his in his palm of his hand he had so much power and then he got on the drums and he did the same thing and, I, and it was it was a lesson immediate lesson that i learned i was like that is really interesting that is how you are as a guy and when you get on the drums hey presto that's what it sounds like and it's yeah. and you could say the same for keith moon you could certainly say the same for steve gad you know i've, I've been mm -hmm. lucky to meet steve a couple of times and Steve Gad to me is a warm, giving, open human being. And when you hear him play the drums, he plays the drums like a warm, open, giving human being. He's listening to everybody. Yeah. He's not playing anything about himself. He's playing stuff that is interacting with the stuff that's going on. He's conscious of what the song's about. The sentiment of the song, and when you when you meet him as a dude, that's what he's like. He's not. Yeah. I, I, when I first met him, I met him with a young, much younger drummer, and he was, or he was completely interested in what this kid was doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think about this a lot. Like, this is such a stupid thing to say, but like, can you imagine waking up every day and being like, "Holy shit, I'm Steve Gadd." <laughs> I guess, I guess he, he, he has, that's a, it's a burden to carry for poor old Steve, but yeah, I mean, I know. it's amazing. Um, but you know, I guess, and, and just the way that, he, how humble he is, oh, it's and just like, how, like you said, how, how warm and inviting and yeah. like, and like listens. And like you said, there's this young drummer that yeah. like, he's totally into what he's doing and everything. It's just, yeah. like, and it's not, it's not, it's know. not like false, like, Oh shit. No, there's a young guy here. I better be cool. It's not that. It's like yeah. a million miles away from that. It's just how he is. You know, he 
he was interested in what this guy was into and why he was at the gig. It was a Clapton gig, actually, at the Apple Hall. Um, and, you know, I, I just think about that and I think about Stuart and I think about Keith Moon and I think about Charlie Watts and I think, you know, all of this and Jeff and, you know, um, Bernard Purdy. It's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting that that personality. And let's face it, it's, it's, it's not like, um, it's like, it's not some new theory. This, it, I think a lot of musicians understand this, you know, you play how you are, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I think getting back to what you, how you started this segment, which was, you know, there's so much information there and you could copy and, and there's literally Xerox another drummer mm-hmm. if you want to. Um, it is a bit of a shame because you don't do that exploration. Um, it seems that drummers, like they move, they're jumping on the next thing very, very quickly. And, and I think, like I say, getting back to what we talked about earlier, I think a great teacher would suggest that, you know, stick with a drummer, for instance, for a little while, like we did. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, yeah. like you get into a band and they- I had to, I had no other choice. I didn't have, I didn't have 1800 CDs sitting over here that I could just grab and put a new one on. Yeah. You get into a band and you properly immerse yourself in that band and it's music and the drummer and, yeah. and you want to be that drummer and you stay there for a while, mm-hmm. quite a while sometimes. And, and sometimes I, you never leave. You're still, you're still yeah, sometimes you're still there. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's, uh, I think there's something cool about that. And I'm, guys, I, guys still do it now. I know that guys, get, yeah. you know, obviously everybody, all of this stuff is, you know, it, it's just interesting that, that the information is, is so quickly available. And I, yeah. I still don't know if that's good or bad. I, I can't give you a straight answer about that. I don't know. It might be brilliant that you can do all of this stuff because I certainly, I actually think, you know, one of, one of the things that got me my first job was I could play to a click right? back in the early 90s. And now everyone can play to a click. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everybody. So if you look at it like that, there's been a hell of a lot of progression, you know, mm-hmm. if you, in, in 25, 30 years. It's like, it's incredible. I mean, I'm serious. There, there, there were guys yeah. that, that still back then went, I, I don't need a click. I'm the click. You know, <laughs> I am the it, click. It's, yeah. it's just like a ridiculous attitude now, if you think about it. But there were people like that around me when, when, I, was, mm-hmm. when, I, when I started out. And I got my first real proper gig because I could play to a click live and it sounded comfortable-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? right. um, and and now- I, that's, that, that's the, the point, though. It sounded comfortable didn't sound you know doesn't sound rigid and and in a box but you know playing around playing with the click and being able to play around the click absolutely i think are yeah. two different things yeah well it, omar hakeem has got a really brilliant the way that he talks about the click is fantastic actually um he talks about dancing around it mm. um so it's just there it's like another member of the band and you just play, yeah, yeah, you yeah. play around that thing and I, I, when I, I years ago i heard him talking about that and uh, you know, he said, he said, you dance with a click. I'm thinking that's brilliant. I love yeah. that sort of. Yeah. It's music. not like a, you know, I think I had him on the podcast and I, and I, we, I think we sort of touched on that quickly where he was saying like, it's not like, it's not a warden who's yelling at you. Like, yeah. You have to stay in line. He's like, it's, it's the click is, yeah. you know, it's like clicks part of the party, you know, it's yeah. part of the song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think you know I can't. I've gone off piece now. I can't remember what you what you 
first mentioned. Well, we were just talking about how people, you know, developing developing your own sound and 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 is there too much information? Yeah. Is there I mean, not? And I think the advice that you said is like get a teacher who understands these things. I mean, I just I just released an episode yesterday about my top five drummers, like who were the most influential in in my life, my career, like coming up. Yeah, one of them was Carter Beaufort from the Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, and to your point, when you you're saying you get into you get into a band. Yeah. I learned, I knew every single Dave Matthews band song top to bottom. I could play, I mean, I couldn't play it well, but like I could play every single song. Yeah. Everyone. And now I, you know, I can't remember the last time I went for, you know, took an album and was like, okay, I'm going to spend the next month That's learning it. this album note for note. That's it. Uh, and I think, you know, there should be, uh, like I say, I think guys do get into it. You know, do guys do get into it. Right. In, well, it's definitely happening. It's, people are getting into, get into what I do. It's, it's really fascinating to see mm-hmm. people tagging themselves because they've been working on something that I've done. And it's that is it's Firstly, it's incredibly flattering that you, you see these people, um, you've, you've touched them musically that they want to do yeah. that. You know, there's something cool. There's something really sort of. Um, That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, on whatever level, you know, uh, but it's it's fab when someone or I see somebody and they've been. Exp- What's interesting now is I get people going. Oh, I'm just trying out that Ash Stone sound, and there's a dude somewhere, you know, in Paraguay or whatever, and he's got a little rig in his bedroom, and he's and he's crunching the the hi hats to make them sound like oh they they sound kind of. It's, so awesome. it's mega isn't it and they tag That's me awesome. in to sort of and it's like and i obviously i interact with those people i like it and go uh-huh. sounds cool or whatever you know it's um and that's another thing getting back to when we were when we were younger like i would only see the really famous drummers in london like once a year if you're lucky you, you might right. see them at a clinic you might see them at a gig like if tower power play for instance in london most of the nearly all of the greatest musicians in london would be at the gig would be yeah. <laughs> yeah. it just was or or if, if steve gad's playing at uh, ronnie scott's you're gonna probably see some good drummers in london in the audience right uh, you know and then you might have a few minutes to go get the you know get your dutch courage and actually uh possibly approach them and say um Hello, my name's Ash. I'm a, I'm a drummer, yeah. you know, and and then you'll be you, you're in the lap of the gods if they're actually going to engage with you or not. But if you, I, you know, I ran into I ran into um, uh, Vinny Calyuta at the airport. Right. I was so, I was so nervous. I didn't even tell him I was a drummer. Right. I couldn't even. I was like the. I couldn't even get things out of my mouth. I was just like, ah, it's, ah, it's uh, kind of a picture, and then he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that was all I got. I, I think pretty much everyone gets that with Vinny. You know, it yeah. gets gets the sort of Vinny wobble. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, 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 yeah, yeah. And but now, of course, it's different. Social media. You can we can reach out to those people, and most of them are pretty cool, and they will they'll respond. And there's yeah. something really brilliant, inclusive, and about people's growth as a musician mm-hmm. and as a person you know, without being sort of, yeah. sort of too zen about it. But, you know, for me, it's like, I'm going to try and give as much positive energy out as I can on, on social media and, and encourage people, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. And, and, and when someone does that to me and, and has done in the past, it's, it's, I know how brilliant that feels that someone mm-hmm. that you really respect 
gives you some encouragement and 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 it just spurs you on so i just, yeah. i try and do it as as much as i can really mm-hmm. and and you know now the world is how it is you can you can get in contact with pretty much anybody they can, yeah. they can choose to blank you and obviously i can't answer every single question that i'm sure. thrown at me but if if they come if they catch me at the right time and i see it i i will respond you know mm-hmm yeah. And I think about really young drummers who are, who are, you know, reaching out to people on social media and they, and people respond, like you said, can you imagine if you were 16 or 17 and, you know, you got a letter from Steve Gadd or something like that? I mean, that would be like earth shattering. Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. You know, and, and exactly. And and I think that's, you know, that it's our duty really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think about the teaching thing. That's why I, I sort of stick my hand up and say, I'm not a teacher. Um, uh, and I've got so much to learn, like, 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 like all of us really, but I think there are some really great teachers out there. And, and when, so when people ask me about technique things, I'll go, I will be very ambiguous about how I got into it and how I'm doing it because I don't want to give them the wrong information. Sure. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think the, the information that you are, sharing, uh, you know, the things that, that you do feel comfortable. I mean, I, cause I, I think you are a teacher and you know, it might not be sitting down and, and showing someone how to play a paradiddle, but I think that you, I think that you lead by example. And I think that that that's as, just as much of a teacher as, as someone who sits down scholastically and has a book and shows you different things. Sure, so sure. I mean, I, I, I think, um, I want to give people the, um, Let's face it. I'm 52 years old this year. I've had a pretty good career. I'm very happy about the things that have happened, and incredibly, still are happening. So there's one thing I can say, and 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 it's not really teaching, but I can certainly go. Look, this is this is how I approached it all, and it and it worked. Um, And I can tell you how I did it. You know, my my approach, my attitude to, towards uh, sessions, my attitude towards touring, towards people. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you that stuff and it, and it, and it's the truth. And, it, and it's like, this is, this worked for me. And I think that is in a way a kind of, I, I think I have to do that. Mm-hmm. I think all musicians should, should, that they've got experience should be passing that stuff on. Yeah. You know? um, I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that's how this podcast started where I was like, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to come to me and be like, how did you do the stuff that you did with your music career? But I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe I could sit down and talk to people like you and we could yeah. get more information out there. Yeah. You know, so, so. so how long have you been doing it now? Uh, I started November of 2013. So I've released an episode every Monday since November, 2013. 620, 625 episodes. Incredible. And now everyone does a podcast, of course. Now everyone does a podcast. People are asking me to do one. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just, no. I'm just not doing it. But, you know. Now I produce podcasts for other people. Right. Right. So, you know, now it's like a whole, now it's a whole business. Wow. Which is crazy. I mean, there's, there's yep. something great. Vinny stopped doing his. I, I used to love it. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know. The last one he did was really great. I think I remember it. It was about, he was talking about the, one of the, one of the interesting problems with Pro Tools is that you can undo. 
so people don't commit. That's interesting. Because you, you don't have to. So people right. don't. So they procrastinate about the, the music they're creating forever and ever. And But when we, when you record it with tape, that's it. You're done. There's no undo. Especially There's no back undo. back in the day, like when you were like eight track, four track. Oh, my word. Four track, it's like you're done. They are yeah. backing vocals. There is no going back. <laughs> yeah. That is the drum and drums and bass right there. You, you, there's no yeah. changing that now. I mean, you might be able to punch in here and there, but there's no like. Oh, there's no let's change. Just, just start it. We'll just just take that up. No, there's not. I know, and it was, and I think that was the last one he talked about, and I, and I really enjoyed it because he obviously, again, you know, Vinny obviously is a fantastic musician, but he's also mm-hmm. a brilliant communicator. At, as a guy, you forget yeah. about the drums. He's an articulate, intelligent man that is getting across his thoughts. And I really enjoyed that podcast. I don't know why I stopped it. Probably because he got some criticism and thought, oh, maybe I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, which is a shame. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe he just got sick of it. You know, I don't know. It's, yeah. um, but it, I really enjoyed his. Breakfast with Vinny, it's called, wasn't it? Breakfast with yeah. Vinny. It's, good. it's a great podcast. I thought, yeah. I thought it was really good. And then, yeah, he just he just stopped and sometimes i mean maybe he's sort of like i said all i needed to say or yeah maybe in the beginning i felt like he he needed to like get some things off, off his chest, chest. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's interesting isn't it yeah and maybe he's done maybe he's just sort of done with it all but it, it is fascinating yeah. and i really i like those podcasts with people um there's, there's a great one in the uk called rock on tours and they they've interviewed some incredible people over the mm-hmm. the last couple of years um and it's it's so great listening to when you get experienced guys that like yourself now you have you've done so many you know how the how the curve of it's going to go and i bet you've had some awkward moments and i bet you've had some like some surprising moments and everything. there's been some awkward moments and some surprising yeah. moments and but i guess you get good at reading the the individual that's in front of you and like oh how can this go and like i better not go there or and so when you get like this, the, the rock and tours thing, um, they're, they're very experienced musicians. They're very experienced guys, the two guys that do it. And, and the people that get on, they just, they just seem to ask such brilliant questions that you then go down a, a brilliant rabbit hole. You know, it's, rabbit it's, hole fab, yeah. things. it's fab. Yeah. Um, I really like them. Yeah. I will say that this, a testament to, uh, a testament to all the people that I've had on the podcast, yeah. uh, that, there's probably been two people out of 625 that were not the nicest people. Wow. Like while I was doing the interview, but wow. I was like, I don't know why I was like, I don't know why you did this if you didn't want to do it. Yeah. First, you know, <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't understand that, but like out of 625 people, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good, good ratio. It? Yeah. But I also believe that I think that they are successful because they are nice people, yourself included. I think that if you were a jerk, people would not want to work with you Well, and people. So I think it's like, I don't think it's a coincidence that all the people I've had on here are really nice people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it, uh, it goes with that question that that's, that's, you know, stage one of being a, being a musician, you've got to be able to be, be able to sit in a room with people to, to communicate. That is, that's our job, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And I often, I do often wonder because I, you know, we've all met our heroes, and and to be fair, they say don't meet your heroes because it's sometimes they do because sometimes it's disappointment. 
But I have to say, pretty much everybody that I've met that I've adored as a musician has, has actually been all right. You know? Yeah. Um, I can't really think of anyone. And in fact, some people, have, most of them, in fact, the ones that I've really adored as, as, as musicians and hoped to, to God that they would be fantastic as, as humans, have always turned out to be like that. Yeah. Uh, David Garibaldi. The, ni- the nicest guy. Oh, my word. I, I mean, I idolize, I still do idolize him now for other reasons. Like, how right. can you be quite possibly the coolest drummer on earth as, as a guy? Yep. You know, gathering. I mean, like, I, I'm, it's literally like Jedi powers, them two. If you've got Garibaldi and Gad in a room, they could probably pick stuff up with their minds. I mean, it's such <laughs> zen dudes. It's ridiculous. But I tell you what, we're going to show you that sticking without showing you that sticking. Like, <laughs> we'll just what? look at you. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, no, no, I think I understand. <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, just incredible dudes. So Garibaldi, Andy Newmark was, uh, was a guy that I met early on, and I loved that fresh album silent family stone and i love the stuff that he did with lennon and when i met him oh my word he, he was just beyond what i thought he would be you know just what a guy and copeland adored mm-hmm. copeland still and I, I when i was a kid i loved the police and when i met him is exactly how I, I would hope he would be in fact like i say beyond much more like 10 times more what you what you thought but yeah. in a good way, you know. Yeah. And and Hakeem actually, when I met Omar, I, I I still love Omar's playing. And when I met Omar, he was again beautifully given, oh, nice. smiley fella, fantastic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's always interesting too, where you know you 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 know through the conversations that that I've had on the podcast, and and I know that you have these conversations with these luminaries as well. Yeah. It's always interesting to me where. Like they're all still trying to figure it out, and not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like they're still searching, they're still, still learning, learning. They're still, still learning. like yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Vinny talks about that, doesn't he? Like the guy that's probably, you know, arguably one of the greatest drummers left on earth. Uh, he he's still learning, and he still yeah. wants to learn. And Gad's the same. Like that whole thing that with with younger guys. It's not only is he showing an interest in them because he's a he's a decent human being and that's what you do. He mm-hmm. he he genuinely does. He is interested. Like can yeah. this kid yeah. open up a door that I haven't opened up yet, which is quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Over yeah. years, you know, there might be another little door, Steve, that yeah. that he hasn't opened. And like, wow, that's mm-hmm. going here. This is I didn't know this room was here. You know, it, and I'm sure that's <laughs> how he thinks. I'm sure. I'm sure he that's, does. That's how you get that good, isn't it? There was an interview, and I don't remember if it was with Tony Williams or if it was with Elvin Jones, and they were asking him, like, you know, at this point, and they, this was well into his, the the career, and I forget who it was, but uh, but they were saying, you know, do you still like practice and all that kind? Of, and he was like, yeah. He's like, I'm still trying to get my ride beat figured out. Yes, yeah, amazing, isn't it? You know, yeah. Like I'm just trying. I'm still. I'm still there. I know. I, I didn't even move to the other it's, stuff. It's insane, isn't it? Because uh, what was some, someone said something to Jeff, I think, years ago. I, I read, um, why don't you play in odd time that often? And he went, because I'm still trying to figure out how to play in 4-4 well. <laughs> and it's like, 
wow that's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty well pretty. he's and he's infamous for like for hating shuffles and said he, <laughs> he, he, and he's like i i don't play shuffles well yeah and like he was in a session i think it was for steely dan where he like walked out of the session just and they went out and they're like what are you yeah they're like what are you doing get back you sound great and he was like oh i sound like shit you should you, know? you should call bernard because that's that's yeah. I, I i was very fortunate to get in meet bernard and get into a conversation about him and jeff and he would say that he'd go over to to joe's joe and jeff's house mm-hmm. and jeff would sit on the floor, floor cross-legged and just watch him play like as a kid and joe would get him in and he'd play and he said you know when 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 jeff started to get shuffles this is honestly this is it, it making my hairs go on my leg just even talking about this but he then said that he would keep hearing someone would call bernard to do a shuffle and he said oh you've been recommended by this guy jeff Bacaro. we asked him to do it but he said that you should do it so jeff wow. would go, not me call bernard and he would say it very often and Bernard Purdy told me that. He said, Jeff would just keep recommending me to do. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Because Kurt Piscara said the same thing that he, like Jeff would, Jeff would recommend him for things. Where yeah. he's just like, no, 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 don't call me, call him. And it's like, you're Jeff Piccaro. <laughs> yeah. You I know? mean, I, I just, I never got to meet him, uh, sadly, but me neither. you know, I did, I was around, um, so I've, well, I think we talked about this last time, but I was very, very fortunate when I moved to London. I, I moved into the same street as Pina Palladino. Yeah, and, he, and did you do that that the stuff that that um, you released the other day? Were, were you playing with his son, Rocco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So, Rock, I remember when Rocco was born. I mean, it's bonkers. Yeah. Um. So, Pino, it was so I met Pino in '91, and I think Jeff, one of Jeff's last sessions, was with a guy called Paul Young. Hmm. Um, and he, he'd worked with Pino, um, and, and I remember asking Pino about him and I remember saying, you know, who's, who do you think has got the best time, you know, very young myself. Uh, and he go, you know what, probably metronomic time, Jeff, you know, and, mm. and I remember being astounded by that because he'd worked with Vinny and Gad and all of the greats at that point, Pino, but he, right. and I think maybe, maybe he knew that I was, you know, an enormous, um, Jeff fan and he said it just to sort of kind of make me feel great about Jeff, you know, because right. he worked on New York minute was the first session that Pino had done with Jeff, but they weren't in the same mm-hmm. room. The drums are already down. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know him, but I did hear some great stories, you know, yeah. and can yeah, yeah. hear great stories about him. Um, again, he seemed from what I've heard was a very uh, decent bloke. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I've heard too. Everyone, everyone I talk to talks about how yeah. amazing of a person. It's, it's, in- so I- it's interesting how how far you can get by being just an all right person. <laughs> yeah, forget yeah. yeah. about your playing. I'm just talking about. Yeah. Do people like being around you? It's it's that- well. The other thing is, I think that if if Jeff Picaro was a jerk, then yeah, one we wouldn't be sitting here talking about him, and a lot yeah. of people wouldn't want to work with him. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, he's great, but he's a jerk, and we can go get someone else to play. Yeah, and you know, not have to deal with him being a jerk. Yeah. So let's be honest as well. Let's not just make it a completely rose tinted, you know, roses around the door conversation. People have bad days, you know. Of course, people do. 
there are moments where you will meet one of your heroes and they will not want to talk to you. Um, and, and it's going to happen. Uh, but mm-hmm. in general, most, most people take a deep breath if they're having a bad day and they get on with it. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, like I say, I've been very lucky. The people that I've met that I've really admired, um, have always turned out to be absolutely dudes. Wolfredo Reyes. Yeah. Wolfredo Reyes. I remember. Oh, he's the nicest dude in the world. I remember his poster on my wall when I was 15. Uh, yeah. And he, he was playing with Steve Winwood, I think, at the time. And I eventually met him. And I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. Like, mm. I, like if I close my eyes, I can still see his poster. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. Um, and it's just so fulfilling, you know, when you think think of the people that you that you admire and then if you're lucky enough to meet them they do turn out to be all right yeah 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 but it makes makes me feel like the world is as good as the places yeah i'd like it well it is it's mainly good let's face it i think most people are genuinely good people i I think so too you know why would you do certainly now why would you do music unless you loved it because it's like it's not the it's not the money train that it it used to be so most it is not most people that get into music get into music because they love music you know yeah and communicating that way it's a way of communication and uh it's a brilliant way of interacting with people um and communicating with people it's it's awesome Mm mm-hmm so I have one last question for you. I, yeah. On Monday, I released this episode where I, I think I told you that it was my five favorite drummers. Not my five favorite, but the five people who really impacted me yeah. as, a, as a young player. Who would you put in your in your top five? Not like who do you think is the best drummer? Sure. I'm not saying that. Well, like, I mean, who were the five people that were like the yeah. most influential in your playing? Well, I mean, there's, there's more than five, obviously. It's tricky. Sure. Um, but I will say Gad and Stuart Copeland mm-hmm. and, and Steve Ferroni. For sure, mm-hmm. Garibaldi, definitely. Um, I've got one left. It's it's you've got me really. It's it's hard. Um, oh man, oh, I'm gonna have to say Ringo. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to to always because I think when you I think when I listened to your playing, I probably could have figured out you know who some of those people were. But it's always interesting to hear. Yeah, you know. Where you cut, where you're coming from, and then look at all those other people and see where they're coming from, and sort of, yeah, you know, trace the lineage back. But yeah, well, Ash, I appreciate you doing number two on the podcast. Oh, man, it's amazing. Uh, well, thanks for giving me that fantastic fact of five years. I mean, time did not fly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Things are uh, things are moving fast. Yeah. So. yeah. But I, I truly do appreciate you coming back on, sharing all this wisdom. But not only here, but also for for everything that you do on on social media and just and just being vulnerable and and experimenting in the public eye. I think that that's that's extremely important. That you need to show your work as you're working on it. Yeah, I think I think so too. And I, I'm just going to carry on. It's you know it's been really fulfilling. Um, you know, a ninety nine point nine percent fulfilling experience and there's the odd there's the odd little moment where you go oh, i wish that hadn't happened but um <laughs> it's very 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 rare so i'm, I'm just going to carry on i think you should you know not that you need my vote of uh, approval or confidence well, no, but no, no, you're should. part of the of the the drumming universe as i know it yeah. so it doesn't matter yeah. what you think you know yeah well, well i appreciate yeah, that man. <laughs> absolutely <laughs>
All right. Well, Ash, thank you again. I appreciate you. Be well and uh, hope to see you in person soon. Let's do it again, but not in another five years because... Yeah, that's that's a good point. I might not be able to see you or hear you at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Good deal. Ash, thanks again. Bless you, dude. Alrighty, there you have it, the one, the only Mr. Ash Sloan. And you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 624. Also, if you want to check out the first episode I did with Ash, that's episode 138. I did that back on November 9th of 2015. So it's been a while, almost six years. So check that out as well. Tons of information in both of those. Again, for the show notes for this particular episode, drummersresource.com forward slash session 624. Also, I've been getting a lot of feedback that the podcast is a lot easier to listen to on the website versus trying to do it on your podcast app, especially if you're sitting at a desk or you know, you're know you in front of your computer a lot, then you can listen on the website. The thing is, Everything is there. It's searchable, and you know you can uh, you can find things really easily. There's a list view, and you can just kind of scroll through all of them quickly and listen to them. So check it out. It's completely redesigned, and it works on mobile really well. Check it out. Just go to drummersresource.com. Let me know what you think. Like I said, a lot of people have been telling me it's easier to listen to the podcast on the website than anywhere else. So I don't know. Give it a try. Check it out. Drummersresource.com. Other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.